suffering. I, I don't know if you, I said it to the Sunday school class this morning. It just seems like today everybody's a little bit melancholy. Everybody just kind of Everybody just seemed like they, like they took a couple of muscle, muscle relaxers before they came to church. And they're just kind of here, just kind of I don't know if we need to all get up and do some jumping jacks. Or maybe we all need to get up and go outside for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then come back inside. And that way we have a little gratefulness that we get to be inside and, and sit down. I, I don't know what we need to do this morning, but I just know that uh, we are missing an opportunity if we don't come expectant and ready to hear from God this morning. And so I hope that you have a Bible with you this morning. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 as we continue to walk through this letter together. Also on the back of that bulletin, hopefully you got when you came in the morning. this morning, there's some notes if you want to reference those on the back of those as we just walk through. We've been walking through the letter of Ephesians during our time together in the Word on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be primarily looking at verses 15 down through verse 21 during our time together this morning. I don't need to tell you or remind you, but this last week has been hard. It's been hard on our country, it's been hard on our society, it's been hard in our communities. It's even been hard when it comes to the church. Now, I'm not talking about just a political obstacle or political situation. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you were on, this week was a rough week. I'm talking about health-wise. We have a, a number of people that are just uh, normally in our fellowship, even this morning, that are out because of health reasons. And, and you start to look around, and we start to see not only people that every time they, they get a sniffle, every time they cough, they're always wondering, oh, should I be worried? Should I be concerned? And all of a sudden, paranoia. We were talking about it just this morning, about how people are paranoid every time they get a sniffle, every time they, their head hurts, every time something happens. Everybody's, we're living in this state of paranoia, not sure what's going to happen. Next, we keep seeing these news reports about how this is supposed to have all been over back in April or May, and yet this thing continues on and continues on, and now there's questions about vaccine, and we've gotten to the point in our society that we're taking hogwormer to feel better. I mean, you just imagine coming in a couple years ago and saying, listen, we are going to have a pandemic of magnitudes that you cannot imagine and people are going to get so desperate for relief they're going to start putting Ivamec in their coffee. But that's where we're at this morning. And it's been a rough week outside these walls. And if we're not careful, we can come inside these walls and we can get the same kind of attitude even in here. But you know, as Paul is writing to the church there at Ephesus, the church there at Ephesus was not that much different from the church here at Wellston. Yes, they had obstacles. Yes, they had hindrances. Yes, they had good days. Yes, they had bad days. Yes, they had successes. Yes, they had difficulties. Yes, they had hurdles to overcome. But the truth that was then true then, that is also still true today, is God is still God. And so as we are going to gather around the word this morning, what I want to encourage you with, and I want to remind you with is it doesn't matter how bad it gets medical wise it doesn't matter how bad it gets political wise it doesn't matter how bad it gets socially wise it doesn't matter how bad it gets outside of these worlds when it comes to our culture God's word is still God's word and so as we gather together as God's people God's word still has something to say about how it is that we are to live now 
Van and I were talking this morning before Sunday school how this week, and, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I was speaking for myself how this week has just been littered with distractions. Wanting to know what's going on in Washington. Wanting to know what's going on with the latest COVID numbers. Wanting to know what's going on with this person's self. Wanting to know what's going on in this person's life. Wanting to know what's going on in the future in the state. And looking at these four young boys, almost five now, and looking at those and thinking, what are they going to grow up into? And the distractions that come, and the next thing you know, you're just sitting there just scrolling Facebook and scrolling Facebook, refreshing your newsfeed, whatever the case may be. And the next thing you know, you find yourself and you're still listening to this world that you're not taking any time. To listen to God. And then we get in Sunday school this morning and Ray Vanderloom is talking about the living water and he's talking about how easy it is for you and I to get stagnant in our spiritual walk. How easy it is for you and I to get so caught up in the affairs of the world that we stop nourishing our soul and the next thing we know we find ourselves spiritually like the Dead Sea and less like the living waters that God has given us. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I'm not going to make assumptions on where you're at spiritually, where you're at emotionally, where you're at in your mentality or your attitude this morning. I'm just going to tell you that Paul is looking to this church and he realizes the struggles and the troubles the church has. And as we are sitting here right now on this Sunday, I do not think that we can honestly say that we were without troubles or distractions or obstacles before us. And yet God's word still has directions for our lives today. So I want to look at three of these directives that Paul reminds the church with. Now this is the third time, the third Sunday in a row now we've been in Ephesians chapter 5. If you think back a couple of Sundays ago when Paul started writing there, what we see is Ephesians chapter 5, he is telling the church, this is why you're doing what you're doing. That way you can imitate God and you can walk in his love. But then he wanted to remind them that the way you're going to imitate God and walk in the love of Christ is that you've got to follow God's rules. So that's what we were looking at last Sunday and how it is and what are the rules of God, not the rules of man, but the rules of God and how is it that we follow the rules that God has given us meant to govern our lives and then here this Sunday uh, next Sunday I'm just going to warn you we're going to take a sharp turn next Sunday because Paul is going to write and Paul is going to teach us on men and women in the home so I'm just going to tell you that's a, a sharp direction Toby's already so excited about us getting to that portion there in Ephesians chapter 5 but before we get there Paul gives us this little excerpt and he wants to remind us okay so in light of your disciplines in the light of what you're trying to do in being like Christ and reminding you of these rules that God has given us now what is it that you should be doing on a regular basis so I, I put there in your notes three daily directives that Paul outlines that that are applicable, I think, to the church, but then also to us as an individual. Three daily directives that I think that every single morning we wake up and we realize this is God's word. It is relevant. It is applicable. It is true. It is pointed to us today. So this morning you got up and you can think, okay, so these three things I can ask myself, these three questions, these three directives God has given me to do. Because right now in this world, you don't know what to do. Do you go get tested? Do you not go get tested? Do you speak up about your opinions politically or you just keep your mouth shut? Do you say something? Do you not say something? Do you encourage? Do you not encourage? Do you shake hands? Do you not shake hands? Do you fist bump? Do you not fist bump? Do you go out or do you stay in? 
All of these questions that are surrounding us, and yet when it comes to the life of the church, Paul says there are some very clear instructions that have not changed. So, I want you to start with me there in verse 15. Now, verse 15 and verse 16 here in the translation that I'm looking at, the English translation that I'm looking at, verse 15 and 16 are marked as one sentence. Verse 17 is a sentence, and then 18 down through 21 is a sentence. So, we're we're just going to take it apart as it is punctuated here in the text. So, starting in verse 15, listen to what Paul continues to write. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Paul gives us a directive, if you will, to the church firstly and then to the individual secondly. And this is the directive. Don't waste time. He's reminding us how easy it is for us to set and to waste time. How much of our time today are we spending looking down? You go to the restaurant and you sit there at the restaurant and you look at people sitting at the restaurant. You may see five or six people sitting at a table and all five or six people are looking down. They got them thumbs going and they're just sitting there. They're just doing this back and forth and all they are doing is looking down. How much time do we spend looking down instead of looking up? How much time do we spend more worried about what this world has to say and less worried about what God has to say? So Paul starts this there in verse 15 and he says, look, there's an emphatic sense there in the original language when he says, look, it's this idea that you are supposed to be paying attention. You're supposed to be looking for it on guard. Look, be, be, be thinking about how it is that I make the best use of the time that God has given me. God has given us 168 hours in a week. He gives us 168 hours. All of us get the same 168 hours. All of us get the same amount of hours, the same amount of minutes, the same amount of seconds. We all get the same amount of time, and yet it seems by week, by week, by week, people sit there and go, well, what is happening with the time? I remember 10, 15 years ago, people would say, they're looking at these boys, and they would say, just wait, you blink, and they'll be grown. You ever tried not to blink? And yet every single one of us, despite how much money we have, despite how much we try, we can never get back time. So Paul comes into this passage and he says, watch your walk. Why? Because you want to make the most of your time. This time is a gift from God. And church, we need to understand that we may be sitting here thinking, oh, I'm so glad 2020 is over with. We should be asking ourselves, what do we do with 2020? What do we do with the year that God has given us? What do we do with the time that God gave us? There are so many people today that are just huddling. There are so many people today that are hiding. There are so many people today that are just, re, uh, just removing themselves and retreating back from the world. And the reality is, is that we are going to give an account of our time to God. So Paul wants to encourage us and Paul wants to remind us that this time that we have is not to hide, it's not to run, it's not to make excuses or to try to push it off. We need to understand that this time has given us is precious. And we know that this time is getting shorter because the days are evil. He tells us that there in verse 16, he says, because the days are evil. Now, why would Paul remind us about that? Why would Paul make that point? He's reminding us that because the days are evil, the days are coming to an end. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, the day is going to come when Jesus is going to come back. 
and the time will be over. No more chances, no more intentions, no more plans, no more going tos, no more adas. The time is coming when Jesus will come back and this time that we know it on this earth will be over and time will be up and we will all stand before God one day and we will all give an account of ourselves to God. And there will be some people that will say, well, I meant to get right with God. I meant to give this to God. I meant to live more for God. I meant to do this for God. And yet their time will be up and there will be no more time to say, well, I should or I oughta or I meant to. And there'll also be no more time for you and I to talk to that lost family member. To that backslidden friend at work. There'll be no more time for you and I to go out and tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. There'll be no more time for you and I to go out and tell people about the love of God. There'll be no more time for you and I to go out and serve the kingdom of God. There'll be no more time. And this time will be over. And the question will come, what you do with the time? Paul is reminding the church who cares politically who cares who's in the NFL football playoffs who cares what the price of cattle is who cares what the high temperature today is going to be who cares about what is happening right now in this country or in this scene or in this stage why does that matter in relation to eternity and yet so many times, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying me for sure. I can waste a lot of time on a lot of things that are just going to eventually burn up one day and go away. So Paul wants to remind the church. He wants to remind the church of this very simple truth. Do not waste the time. And I'm going to tell you, First Baptist Church of Wellston, we have a finite number of days in year 2021. And it's not a matter of you and I coming together and say, well, we just need to survive this year, or we just need to hope this year is better than last year. We need to understand that we have only so many days before this year is over with. Only so many days, and what are we going to do with the time that we have? Are we going to sit back and make excuses and point fingers? Are we going to sit back and try to make it sound like it's someone else's responsibility? Are we going to sit back and say what we'll always have next year? Do you understand? You're only going to have one January 10 of 2021. That's it. And yet, the world and Satan has done such a masterful job of lulling us into this idea that we'll always have later. So Paul reminds the church. He's pleading with the church. Don't waste Time. But then he goes on in verse 17 and he, he reminds them uh, of another directive. He, he gives them another uh, nugget of truth, if you will, because he says there in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's reminding the church not to waste time, but to seek the will of God. He, he, wants to, he wants them to come to grips with this idea that when it comes to this world and all the distractions and all the opportunities and all the things that you and I can be involved with and all the things that we can listen to, all the things that we can follow, all the voices that we can put in our ears, all the things that we can put in front of our eyes, all the things that we can have around us, how many of those direct us and help us hear the voice of God? How many things on your phone help you hear the voice of God? How many things on your television help you hear the voice of God? 
How many people do you have speaking into your lives today that help you hear the voice of God? He says in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He understands and he wants to remind us that God has revealed his will to us. That is why we have the word of God. That's why we have it in a language that we can read. That's why we have it in words that we can understand. We have God's word. He has revealed his will to us. But in the same time, he is revealing his will to us on a regular basis. When we come and we study his word, when we pray, when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, when we're putting ourselves to be yielded, and to be led by the Holy Spirit he is revealing himself to us on a regular basis in other words his will is often progressive the more I obey the more faithful I am the more God shows me what the next step is there are some things in your life that you're going, well, you know what? I'll be happy to do it, God, as long as you show me step one through ten. And God says, no, I've shown you step one. When you are obedient in step one, then I'll show you step two. And then when you've been obedient in step two, I'll show you step three. And when you go to step three, I'll show you step four. Sometimes we don't have to know all the answers before we get started. Sometimes we just need to know that God has told us to do it, and we are going to do it. But he says this idea of seeking the will of God is something that we should endeavor to do. We get up in the morning and say, God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to do today? I know what I want to do today. <laughs> I want to go back to bed. <laughs> I want to sit there in my pajamas eating cereal, watching cartoons. I know what I want to do today. God, what do you want me to do today? Or we come to church and we go, well, you know what, God, what do you want us as a church to do today? We know what we want to do today. We just want to come in and feel comfortable. We want to just come in and feel encouraged. We want to come in and feel like we're doing a wonderful job and that we're just doing everything right. We want to come in and feel like we have all the answers and everybody out there doesn't have any answers. And we want to come in and feel comfortable and content with just being here. That's what we want, God. But do we come and we say, God, what do you want? He says, there. Do not be foolish. Don't have the attitude that you have it all figured out. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And I wonder in today's culture how many of us understand what the will of God is. We understand what the will of the CDC is. We understand what the will of the Republican Party is. We understand what the will of the Democratic Party is. We understand what the will of our society is. We understand what the will of popular culture is. We understand the will of a popular television show or what's your Facebook account or who it is that you're listening to on your social media feeds. We understand all of those things because they tell us, we want you to do this. We want you to participate in that. We want you to take action in this. And the world is always saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But how often do we hear what God is saying to us? That's what they call advertising. Is the world always trying to tell you what to do? And yet when was the last time we just sat and was quiet and listened to what God is calling us to do? Well, how do we hear or how do we listen to what God has to say, Spence? It, it, it tells us that we should understand what the will of the Lord is. So, Spence, if you want me to understand what the will of the Lord is, how is it? How do I hear this? How do I read this? I'm going to tell you the best thing for you and I to do is to start studying God's Word, to start reading God's Word, to start listening to God's Word. And you know what? If you would just read God's Word aloud, guess what you will hear? You will hear God speaking to you. Or you could sit there and you could read hymns and you can listen to Christian music. There are all sorts of ways that you and I can get God's voice and influence into our lives. 
But sadly, we're more familiar with the voice of this world than the voice of God so many times today. So, so Paul w- w- wants to grab a hold of the church and he says, I realize that you're there in Ephesus and I realize that Ephesus is littered with idolatry. I realize that Ephesus is in control of the Roman government and I realize the Roman government is not favorable to you. I realize that you have all sorts of excuses why not to follow the church of the living God. I realize that you have all sorts of reasons to stay home. I realize that you have all sorts of reasons why not to be involved. Why to just sit back, kick back, and take it easy. I realize that you have all the things things going around you and nobody can hold it against you if you are not zealous for the things of the kingdom of God it's like Paul comes in and says this world didn't save you this world didn't send his son to die for you and this world isn't calling you to surrender your lives for him And church, we're at a crossroads. I don't know exactly what the crossroads... It's like we're having to make a decision on a regular basis. Who are we going to follow? Am I going to follow popular opinion? Am I going to follow the desires and the whims and the wills of this world? Or am I going to follow after God? We had a discussion last Sunday night sitting right there in the fellowship hall about the what ifs. And we had a little bit of time just going, well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And and, and, and what are we going to do? And how are we going to respond? And I'm going to tell you that sometimes, you know, people will start to say, well, you know, if if the government does this, then I'm going to do that. And I'm going to tell you that we can get so built up and we can get so worked up at trying to say, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, that we miss the point that we have not been called to be activists. We have not been called to be operatives. We have not been called to be instigators. We have been called to be faithful to God. And so it doesn't matter what takes place around us. It doesn't matter how this world devolves. It doesn't matter what this world moves to. It doesn't matter how this world responds or reacts. The question is, is as we are, as a church, are we going to be faithful to God? So Paul it, it leaves this, he, he, he puts a bow on this, if you will, here in this verse, eight, uh, verse 18. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one another out of reverence for Christ. So not only is Paul coming in in this passage and he's saying, don't waste the time, he's also reminding us to seek the will of God, but then Finally, he wants us to understand that in light of the times that we're living in, we should be about building up the church. Building up the church. You may say, well, Spence, what in the world does that matter? How how is that applicable today? Well, you think about how many outposts of truth and light and freedom do we have in this world today? How many places where people are feeling welcome, people are feeling loved, people are not feeling manipulated or used, people are not coming in with this expectation of what you can bring to them. How many places has God ordained for people to be able to come and hear the truth about Jesus Christ? So he reminds us, he reminds us to addressing one another in Psalm. Now he starts out there in verse 18 and sometimes people will take this and they'll use this out of context and they'll say, ha, see, it says do not get drunk with wine. So therefore we are going to put a prohibition on alcohol. 
That verse does not say do not take a drink of alcohol. And I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, we can't have alcohol. We can't drink. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says don't get drunk. But you know what else the Bible says right there in that verse? The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. So you know what? If you think you can be filled with Maker's Mark and you can be filled with the Spirit at the same time, that's up to the Holy Spirit. You think you can be filled with Coors Light and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time? You must have some different spirit. (laughs) The point that Paul is trying to say is, is that our lives should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And whether it is alcohol, whether it is drugs, whether it is vice, whether it is behavior, whether it is gossip, whether it is selfishness, whether it is negligence, whether it is apathy, whatever it may be, anything that turns us selfish, anything that turns us inward, anything that turns us away from being filled with the Spirit, we should put away from us. Why? Because anything that doesn't build up the church breaks down the church. So he reminds us right there in verse 18 that we are all in this thing together. Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. But if you're filled with the Spirit. And then he talks about how it is that we interact with one another. Addressing one another. And he talks about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making hymns. He's reminding us that by our priorities and by our actions and by our attitudes we are building up one another. And so he reminds us that this whole idea of us coming together, we should have this spirit about us. We should have this desire about us. We should have this activity about us. So when we come in and we come into this faithful family, we should be asking ourselves how it is that I encourage you, how it is that I build you up, how it is that I lift you up, how it is that I say the kind of words that promote your heart instead of tear you down. Sometimes people come in and they're cranky. I don't know why you'd come to church if you're cranky. But you know, sometimes people come to church because they're cranky. It's like they get up in the morning and they're like, I'm cranky, I'm going to church. (laughs) And then they come into church and they're cranky and they're just looking for something to be upset about. (sighs) I'm mad. Why are you mad? Well, I I just know I'm mad. What are you mad about? Well, I'm mad because the chairs are blue. The chairs have been blue. Yeah, but you know what? I'm still mad. And they're just coming in looking for something to be cranky about. Or they're coming to church and it's like, I'm going to come to church, but I better have these five people better speak to me. And if they don't speak to me, then they're being rude. And that church is just a cold, rude bunch of people and I'm never going back. That was the church there in Zanias for almost eight years. And I was, had a man that came in, (coughs) excuse me, had a man that came in. Really nice man, a little bit on the weird side, kind of like Evan over there, but a really super nice guy. And he came in and he got in Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher had the audacity to say that as we as U.S. citizens, we should pray for the President of the United States. And boy, he got livid at the idea that somebody would tell him that he, has to, he is supposed to pray for the President because I'm not praying for that man. And I said, well, sir, that's, that's fine. I, You pray for whoever you want to pray for, but the Bible tells us to pray for our elected leaders. Well, that didn't make him very happy. So then he went home and he got on his computer and got on Google and did a review of the church and just lambasted the church because of the church's opinion on who we and who we should not pray for and I and I somebody sends me this in a text message and said did you see this review and here is this review of this guy just shredding the church saying things that weren't true and things that 
were true, but he's putting them in a different context. And I'm wondering, you know what? If you're that cranky, why'd you even come to church? And yet sometimes we come to church for the wrong reasons. We come to church for what I get out of it or what I expect out of it. And Paul wants to remind us that when it comes into the days that we're living in, we should come to church not for what we get, but what we can give to other people. So that's why he says here in the text, he says when we come, we should try to make sure that when we come to church, we are getting ready, that we are preparing on Saturday, we're preparing on Sunday morning, so that we come to church, we are as spirit-filled as possible. We come into the church and we are primed ready to, to share the Spirit of God in our hearts with those around us. Then he comes and he talks about hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, and he talks about making melody the Lord with our heart. He's saying we're going to come in and we're going to help encourage one another. We're going to smile at one another. We're going to talk to one another. We're going to ask one another about their day. We're going to be friendly to one another. We're going to do the kind of things that people are going to leave saying, I was glad I was at church. Sometimes people are just glad to leave church. But we should be the kind of church that people should come in and say, I was glad I came to church. Why would I want to do that, Spence? Well, notice verse 21, and we'll wrap this up. Verse 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul wants to put a bow on this before he takes a sharp turn into the family and into the home. And he wants to remind them that this thing about the church, it's not about people serving you. It's not a matter of you being served. It's a matter of you coming to build up one another and to build the church by serving one another. And so when we come to church, it's not about what you can give me. It's not about what I can give you. It's about what we are doing to serve other people in this community. And so many times the church today can be one of those institutions. It can be one of those groups of people that everybody comes and says, well, where's the church here? And we forget that as a church, we have been placed here in this community to serve other people. That's our job. That's what our job has been. And you know what? Whenever the church forgets their mission and the church forgets what God has called them to do and they begin to stagnate, they begin to be more apathetic, they begin to be more lethargic, they're getting too overweight on their own medicine and the next thing you know what happens is the church is no good and the church starts to die. And friend, we need to ask ourselves... Why did we come to church today? Did we come to church out of obligation or duty? Did we come to church out of necessity? Did we come to church because we just didn't have anything else better going on? Or did we come to church so that we can serve other people so that we can go outside these walls and serve the people around us? There's a lot of opportunity that we have right now to be a light and a source of truth to a watching, hurting world. And yet, too many times, we're not looking for opportunities to minister as a church because we are so concerned with the affairs of our own. We become distracted. We become so blinded that we're not looking for what God is doing through us because we're so much looking for how we are going to respond in the days in which we live. So how do we know if we're moving forward? How it is that we know if we're moving forward as 
the church. Well, just three questions, three diagnosis questions I want to give you, and then we'll be done in our time this morning. The first question is this. Is your life growing closer to God? Is your life growing closer to God? I have been amazed at how many individuals that I've listened to over the last year that their spiritual life has grown colder. Their spiritual life has grown distance. It's like this whole sickness and this whole tumultuous time, it has taken them away from the relationship with God. Instead of spending more time with God and instead of being more grounded in God and more dependent upon God and looking more to God, it's like they are farther away from God. And I wonder, what is it going to take for God to get our attention for us to move back to Him? what's it going to take for you and I to grow closer to God so there's another question I want to ask you this morning are you listening to the voice of God in your life are you listening to God's voice in your life so here in this passage Paul is reminding them that they need to be seeking and they need to be searching for the will of God and he says you need to be actively saying God what do you want for me to do God where do you want me for me to go God how is it that you want for me to live and so the question is are you listening to God's voice if you want you can listen to a thousand other voices out there But are you going to listen to the voice of God? Right now with all of this political turmoil going on around us. If you listen enough you can find out who that person is listening to by by hearing what that person is saying. I can identify by the way somebody is talking whether they're listening to CNN or Fox News. You give me long enough and you let me listen to what you have to say and your perspective and your input, I can tell you. Whether you're Rush Limbaugh, I can tell you whether you are Mark Levin, I can tell you if you're a Bob Sh- or a, a Shapiro kind of guy, I can tell you if you're a Dan Bongino kind of guy, I can tell you if you're a Charlie Kirk, I can tell you if you're a Tucker Carlson, I can tell you if you're a, a Cuomo kind of guy, I can tell you a Don Lemon, I, I can tell you who you're listening to by what you're saying because so many times the people we're listening to will influence our perspectives and our respect responses and our attitudes in the watching world and the danger is that so many times we can start listening to man before we start listening to God that's why I encourage you every morning to get up and you start your day listening to God it doesn't matter what you got going on you get up every morning and you start by listening to God because you need to have God's voice in your life more than you need this world's then here's the last one we'll be done what are you building what are you building The last part of this passage here, Paul wants to remind them that they should be worried about building up the church, building up one another. The psalms, the hymns, the spiritual songs, submitting to one another, giving thanks to God. All of these things help build up the body, help build up the body's strength, help build up the body's relationship, help help up build the body's ministry and their testimony and their witness and all of these things. And he says, these are things that you should be concerned about, church. So I wonder, what are you building are you building your own inheritance are you building your own kingdom are you building your own coalition are you building the body of believers so we might advance the kingdom of God would you bow your heads with me